I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. I hear a sound of victory. The Lord says it is done. Well, that was a fucking lie. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Chill Regular. My name is Jonesy, and with me is Matt, David, Sean, and we got a very special guest today, my good old BFF, Hansi Ponzi. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thanks, man. I'm really glad you're here. Welcome. Super happy you guys are all yeah, here. Me too. I'm stoked that you fuckers woke up early on a Saturday to get here besides David. That was hard. <laughs> 10 a.m., folks. 10 very difficult. Very for difficult. But you know humans. what? I'm really proud of you guys. You guys did not disappoint. We've already smoked half a J. We have beer on the table. We have wine, wine and coffee. The coffee yeah. is key, to be honest with you. The and coffee drinks is and soda, key. too. And yeah, we're, we are set, guys. If the, this looks like a, a prep for a zombie apocalypse, it does. We're yeah. close. Right? Yeah. We're in the battle planning phase phase of everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got the coffee mug with the hanging dick toucan nose it's I very good it's very very phallic it's very i didn't even notice that till you both said it and i've got slightly and that's the only thing you could see but i got you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sick. <laughs> well gentlemen we woke up to news today and i don't care to get into too many of the political debates and who's this, who's that. But from right now, we understand that Biden has won. All the news organizations are are calling it that Biden won, except for Breitbart and Own. I don't even but know who those guys is who those are. Who, yeah. What? Are they like, are they Breitbart? good? Or are they reasonable? Breitbart, is that like that evil superhero guy? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they haven't called the election, it's, then yes. It's better if you don't know. It's better if you don't know, I guess. Um, so, I, I mean, since... Tuesday. It's been a kind of an up and down type of uh, roller coaster for a lot of people. I found out this morning because my lovely neighbor um, basically ran out of the house and was just like, Biden won! Biden won! And it was rather humorous to me, mainly because she wasn't wearing a bra and it was a very loose t-shirt so all I saw were well, just like running around. through the street like Ebenezer Scrooge re- realizing it's almost, Christmas almost <laughs> I feel like like almost that's kind of how so, it went so the down. whole so election was worth out. it the election was worth it the election was worth it thank you thank you neighbor I appreciate it. gravity at work <laughs> if you're listening you're you're why the sunshine yeah thank you <laughs> democratic titties <laughs> and there it is and we found it that's what happened and uh, we're sticking to that story you know the thing this entire week for me though that I felt was really entertaining about this was all the memes that were coming out uh, right because yes. all the, the time that it's taken for them to recount and all those types of things mm. one of my favorite ones was you we see the meme from um what is the Tarantino movie Django Unchained with Leonardo DiCaprio? Oh, yeah. He has kind of like that <laughs> face yes. on, you know what I'm talking about? The greatest meme yeah, ever. Yeah, and it says like, uh, what was uh, like Nevada or something like that, recounting, and then it's basically a calculator upside down spelled boobs. Remember doing that? Like, <laughs> it, was boobies. it was boobies. Yeah, that's how they were recounting all yes. this stuff. I was dying, man. So, I mean, did you guys find any memes that you found hilarious I, I this that. entire time? I, oh, did, did you? I used that one from Django Unchained. I took the face, you know, the DiCaprio face, and I put it inside the America outline. 
Mm. I saw that during the counting. Bad yeah. boy. I love it. I love it. Anybody else see any funny ones? Oh, uh, fuck. I'm sure I did. I know I sent uh, I blast off a bunch because I'm that dude in the friend group who's like, oh, you haven't seen a meme today? I fucking got you. Got you. I got yeah. you, boo. I'm the meme dealer for people. Tr- Trump's so. own tweets from years ago are good memes in and of themselves. You know? <laughs> it's you just, just a gift that keeps on giving. He told uh, Hillary that being a good loser is important. Oh. Last, yeah, oh, last yeah. time. And she did make the call and congratulated him. Oh, well, there you go. So yeah. This one's actually yeah. pretty nice. I'm actually no one actually can see it, but it's describe oh it for us, Hans. Yes. It's tr- you know, Hans, go ahead and describe it. Describe it. I mean, I guess it's Trump dressed up like what is that, David Bowie? Oh, that's a Karen. Oh, like Karen. Karen oh, okay. It looked like Justin. I want to speak to the polls manager. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fucking good. Oh, Has anybody good. gone to the hairdresser and said, "I want a Karen cut"? You? It's no. Never I wonder if that's a thing. If I you hope- have. Post it in the comments, please. Yeah, right. Please. Like, we want to know. <laughs> we want to know. And if nobody has, somebody has to. Or right. if you are a hairdresser, do you know how to make a Karen cut? Hans, can Karen. we give you a Karen cut? No fucking way. <laughs> Come on, bro. Let's do no it. No way, dude. Awesome. I would do a funny Karen cut for all of you guys. I don't have long enough hair for it anyways. Oh, and dude, all these memes, hair. like I'm super meme illiterate. If we like, get, if I we still, get, I respect I'm the still, honesty. I just barely discovered like the cat eating the salad with like that <laughs> screaming lady. <laughs> I just, I found that yesterday. It was like, oh, that's kind of funny. I well, saw you know, a great I meme regarding that, by the way. It was. Oh, yeah. Is that the one with like Trump and um, Giuliani on one side and they're yelling at it, but it's like Nevada on the other side. Just taking their time. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. funny. That's not the one that I saw, but in regards to the cat one specifically, it was the two women yell. I don't even know what that clip's from, but two women yelling. They're like, what'd you do with the cat? And on the other side, it's funny man from Boondock Saints. Oh my nice. God. That's awesome. Yes. It was <laughs> Fucking Rocco. <laughs> we need to bring her, bring back keyboard cat for a meme. If anybody has any ideas for memes, I might make it. If it's good, put it in the comments. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll make That'd it. That'd be good. There we go. Well, Jesus. you know what I realized? And so Hans, you and I have been friends for what? Five, six years now. Six, Solid. Oh, seven. Seven ish. Give or take. Seven, yeah. uh, uh, no one couldn't see it, but there was like a look of pain on his face. Recounting. 100%. The years. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's tough. Oh, you guys all know it's tough to be friends with me. I just, try not to think about it. Oh my God. I just want you guys to look at Hans's phone right now, though. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. I didn't Damn. even notice that. This is a fucking the thing. Brendan Pleasure blast from the is past. This, is this an original That's clamshell? An ori- That's this, an original This isn't one of the new, like, oh, it's we're bit, bringing clamshells no, no, back. No, 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 no. This <laughs> is an original 2010-ish. That is amazing. And it works still. Is that a, what is it, Motorola? Well, yeah, my favorite, though. Uh, Samsung. Samsung. Oh, Samsung yeah. figures. Yeah. yeah Samsung well, I like it that it's a 2010. It's a flip phone for anyone who is not. Yeah. He isn't understanding that. Yeah, it and is it's phenomenal. And it's out of batteries. Too, it looks so fucking pristine perfect. too. I'm sure that thing has been through hell, oh, dropped like a been dozen been times, yeah. and it looks brand new. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a, I'm an old school. Like, it's like, I, you, dude, know, it's, like it's, you know, you realize like having that's like having a pager in the 90s, right? You look like a drug dealer. It's like having a fucking pager now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I saw you, I thought you looked like you're from Boondock Saints because you mentioned it, and then mm-hmm. that popped in my head. <laughs> now, especially with that phone, yeah, now with that, yeah, yeah. It's and, a and, and that's a sure. good thing. Yeah. Who doesn't yeah. want to look like they're from Boondock Saints? That's true, right? Yeah, it's not right. a bad thing. I'm cool yes. with it. <laughs> so, Sean, you've traveled a lot of the world, right? Yeah. I mean, have you taken that phone with you everywhere? Uh, unfortunately, like American-made phones don't travel well because they don't have SIM cards. Most uh-huh. a lot of them, uh-huh. and so. 
I actually had a shittier phone than this that I would travel with. It was an old Nokia. Oh my God. And that thing was like peeling and like it would pop apart every time I'd like grab it. <laughs> and like the, the ringer had some sort of twang to it. So it'd be like, it'd sound like it was somebody pouring liquor into the speaker, like <laughs> when it would ring. So it was, that one was even more ghetto and fucked up and So how do you, wonderful. I mean- we're all, well, at least Sean and I are huge tech nerds. So it's like for me to go. I mean, from, it raises several questions. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I can't wait to hear uh, this. I mean, okay. So like what other old technology do you use on a regular basis? Like an abacus maybe? I still or? use a, I, <laughs> wow. no, I still use a wooden dildo and butt plug. Okay. Oh, so, so like, are we talking no. like poplar or. Just fucking or, splinters or, all day. Or, uh, no, manzanita. Beach. Oh, manzanita. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that's classy. I'm a high class bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah dude the, the flip phone like i just basically have an addictive personality and like it's basically me nannying myself like i know i'd be on the fucking respect that so i'm just like fuck it i'm just gonna use a flip phone it's a novelty it does so, what i needed to do so are you more likely to call someone or text somebody oh definitely call because if you put yeah. an emoji in your text like it just comes in code <laughs> it, it just phone. looks like swirls and like exclamation points tell you like, Right. Yeah, you, yeah. Tell you, you just got hacked. I yeah, think. so like, <laughs> do you know what the ASCII code for an eggplant is now? Uh, no, that, sorry, probably way over the head. Oh, well, I know the eggplant joke. Like, I'm a fan of salad. So, like, I'm a fan <laughs> of salad. That's my favorite line right now. I'm a fan of salad. Tossing it, salad. eating it. Yeah. The whole nine. Right on. Well, Gary doesn't do that. We know that already. No. Yeah. We no, tried. No, I don't. We tried it's before okay. he hit record. He was just like, no. Oh, I don't care how I'm dressed. I don't care. Jesus. Uh, I'm going to get canceled for that. Uh-huh. Oh, that's <laughs> the one. That's the one. That's the one. That's the thing that's going to get me canceled right there. Well, I mean. Take Sean off the fucking show. <laughs> that's what it's going to be like. Some Karen. There it is. I want to talk to you. Gary. Oh, fuck. Damn it. <laughs> so I was going through all the uh, wonderful memes this week. One of the funniest ones was actually a TikTok I saw, and it was basically a girl filming her parents are all sitting down on the couch, and uh, they're all sitting there going through paperwork or whatever. And she goes, So I met a guy, and uh, I'm really liking him. And, um, I like Gary's work. I think advice. I want, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to go see him again this weekend. The parents are like, oh, okay, nice. Okay. What, what, you know, what is he like? She's like, well, um, he has a really great relationship with God. Uh, he goes to church sometimes. And, um, well, he has had some assault, sexual assault allegations. And the parents literally are just like, what? Are you, are you really, you can't go out with this guy. It's like, well, I mean, they're just allegations. Like, well, yeah, they're allegations, but I mean, even the allegations can be truth. You know, you can't just go out and be with a guy like that. He's like, well, you know, he's still, he's just a really nice guy. And I think, you know, I really feel for the guy, but there was also, I was looking through his tweets and it was like some racist comments way back when or whatnot. No, some are recent too, but they're like, wait, wait, wait. You mean to tell me that you want to go see a guy that has sexual assault allegations. He has racist tweets going on and saying, he's like, yeah, I mean, well, I figured mm. if you I guys going, right. Yeah. I figure if you guys uh, can have a president like that, why can I date a guy like that? Oh. And they're like, oh, oh. but yeah. did they change their mind? Uh, that's the best part. They didn't change their mind. The parents automatically flipped back over and like, oh, okay, okay, we get it. I guess you can they go get raped. They, they, they even put the, 
<laughs> in that case. In that case, he's a wonderful human being. All all great great thing for the economy. <laughs> there, there's another one where the girl says she's crying and she's got a MAGA hat on. She said she's saying, someone hit my dad for no reason just because he was a Trump supporter. And then she takes it off and she goes, and bop, I'd do it again. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I don't know if I really cared one way over the other. I worked... I mean, I thought very diligently whether I wanted to vote for Kanye West, in all honesty. I was just like, well, at least <laughs> the he's going to party. Some, I think he's going to put good music in, I think. You know what I mean? I mean, at least, at least the White House be bumping. I love the <laughs> fact that he conceded after he only got like 60,000 votes. Yeah. He, I think he conceded to Biden. It was just like, okay, here's the thing. Can I, I give all my like votes to him? I feel you may win, so I'm just going to like not compete more. But Trump, <laughs> who do you think is going to win, Kanye? Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah. go home. No one likes you anymore. There was a bit of me, though. There was a small part of me that was thinking, and you know what? We live in a very unique time. He could actually. That's not win. a good thing. We, I don't oh. know. I just look at this whole entire situation as like really good reality TV at this point. Hold on. Here, Hans, you traveled. Like what does most of the world think of the United States? In, in what respect? <laughs> All respect? How about do they have respect? <laughs> <laughs> it really depends. Like it depends on where you are. I've lived in Europe and I've lived in Asia and I've traveled a lot of Africa I've encountered a lot of pretty radically different viewpoints. Like a lot of people in Central Asia, I was in the Peace Corps in Turkmenistan, which is, I know it's a weird place. It sounds like you're just combining three other places. I met a dude yeah, when I, I was there, it. I don't believe it. this guy, when I came home on break and he was convinced that I had gotten it wrong and that I was actually confusing Turkey with Afghanistan. Oh my and God. I was like, dude, no. Bro. I've, like, I've lived here, asshole. I lived here, asshole. <laughs> yeah, how dare you? But like, they think like most things that America does it, uh, like is golden basically like, Oh, really? you know, yeah. yeah and, like, and their dreams like, to get there and whatever. But like Benny Hill show golden, right? Literally the people like think the streets are paved. Some people think the streets are paved with money, like oh, fucking Jesus. crazy. But then you'll meet other people who like, I, I've definitely met people a lot. I lived in Czech Republic for eight years and a lot of them, Maybe they admire there's a little more upward mobility if you're in the right positions here, but they're pretty comfortable with what they've got. Like you don't meet a lot of people trying to like bust down the door of America, like over there. Like they're not living like super high baller lifestyles, but they've got the education and the healthcare thing on lock. And even though the racism is pretty bad there, it never turns violent and you can take public transportation everywhere. So there's a, something I've to answer your question or to answer yours. Basically what I found is like America isn't the worst country in the world by a long shot, but it's also not the best country in the world by a long shot. Right. Like if you can judge, I mean, I know those are stupid standards, but like of all the opinions and of all the experiences I've had, like for me, basically what I've come to realize is America is just kind of a medium bitch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the one thing Shots it doesn't want to be called. Dude. It's just yeah. kind of a medium bitch. Right. We want to be better, but we're not. I do yeah. love the fact that all of us were listening so intently. That's yeah, the first time this has happened. This is actually very interesting. We just interrupt each other. Yeah, usually yeah. we're just talking over each other. We're like, no, this is actually yeah. very Which is actually what we all just did just now. What? I work with a lot of artists just freelancers around the world. And, and when Obama was president, you know, it was when I started doing that. And a lot of them wanted to move here. They were constantly asking, you know, Hey, you can come stay at my country if you want, suggesting I, you know, maybe they could stay over here if they wanted. And they wanted to come here and look for jobs. And all of them did. And then after Trump became president, they felt unwelcome. They all ended up going to like Italy, Europe, London, Canada was a big one, but yeah, all the ones that said they were going to leave their country, a lot of them left. And 
almost none of them came here, maybe a couple out of a few dozen, but the few dozen went to, you know, the country that I mentioned. But did they not come here because uh, they wouldn't let them come here though? Well, it's hard to get a work visa in America before and then after Afterwards, it's even it's harder. Like the worst, right? it, you can't, it's, it became impossible well, and they felt yeah. unwelcome. They didn't want Unless to feel unwelcome. Unless you're from here. Slovene, by the way, which is where Melania is from. So oh, Slovenia. Sl- yes. Did you call it Slovene? Yeah. It's I thought Slo- it was Slovenia, like Slovenia. Tomato, tomato at this point. <laughs> I got a buddy of mine that lived there. <laughs> what happens when we get the one listener who is like, this motherfucker minute, doesn't even know where I'm from. How dare <laughs> All right. If I'm wrong, I apologize. And if I'm right, fuck you. Hey, uh, <laughs> if Gary's wrong, please correct him in the comments. Always, always. Like harshly. Let him know <laughs> and don't be kind. Yeah. Thumbs down, please. Uh, <laughs> good friend of mine. He ended up meeting a Slovenian. He has a Slovenian wife. He lived in Slovene for eight years. Is it Slovenian crazy. or Slovenian? I, I you know what? I think no, we're just going to go. Just, I'm going to let him go with it. Just, like, thank you. Just, just let just, me be pleased. Every, Slovenian. It's Slovenian. Every time Slo- Gary's see? wrong. No, I see. I trust Hans. Hans just, feels like what is it? The, Slovenian. Slovenian. You can say Slovenian. More people say Slovenian. And then Slovene is like... It's um, like the redneck a, version. It's like, no, Slovene would be like if you call somebody a Slovene. Like, okay. But it's like slightly... I, don't, I wouldn't call it like a pejorative, but it's it's like kind of just a... A clipping of the term Slovenian is universal. Slovenian, fine. Slovenian. I don't so, know why you pointed at me. Because you're giving me the most shit, by the way. Because I'm just, how is that different I, from I, any day? No, no, no. We're hoping the people listening will give you the most shit. So remember That's to timestamp where he's wrong and correct him. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, so he's been trying to get his wife over here. He's an American. He has kids over there. She's a citizen over there, right? So he's been trying to get him back over here. And years, dude. Years, years, years. She was trying to get her green card or just like a visa to get here. And then all of a sudden, right when Trump became president, everybody from there was like, oh, you're good to go. And they, now they're here. And it worked out great for him, but it happened so fast as soon as he came in office, which yeah, I thought was wow. interesting. So, hmm. I mean. What do they call that? Uh, shadow favoritism? nerfing going on or shadow buffs? Oh, you know, and they <laughs> do like. Shadow fingering? That's something like you did when you're in no, high school no. to like a girl. No, like, it's like. Say, hey, honey. <laughs> it's a game, a, game, a game update term where you know they add something or take something away in a game update and they don't say anything about it. It's stealth oh, nerf, stealth, stealth nerf. nerfing or stealth buffing. Yeah, nerd, nerd, that's what nerd, that is. Nerd, nerd. So he stealth nerfed everyone else and then nerd, 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 stealth nerd. buffed, stealth buffed his, his own lady, nerd, you know, nerd, the first nerd, lady's uh, space. Yeah, there you go. In Australia, they actually look up to Britain in Australia. But America, well, they mean. think, is like the cool, like rebellious cousin or something of England. Interesting. Really? When they think of us, they think of porn because a lot of it comes from here. Okay. And, well, yeah. and Tarantino movies. Well, yeah. How I are mean, those the two? Those are the American. I love your pornos and Tarantino. <laughs> your Tarantino it's porn is very good. It's all our accent on those things. Grindhouse or Grindhouse? Hey. I mean, yeah. take it for how you want it, I suppose. <laughs> and then they always ask two questions a lot. Do you have a gun? It was one common question. I would yep. say no. And they said, that's crazy. That I thought it was crazier that I didn't have one. Oh my and, gosh. And, and being here. And then the other question was, do you like rugby or football better? And I would say, I don't care because I don't watch either of them. Oh. <laughs> and they just walk away from you. And every like, Australian actually, this American walked away. Like, I know how to but shut actually, down this conversation. Is, rugby is actually a little cooler now that I've like looked at it. It, it is pretty cool. It's, it's fun. Pretty All of, both of them are fun I'm not watch, even a sports yeah. person, except when those sports teams are sportsing on the TV. 
Were they sports at each other? When they Ghost sports. sports. At each other. Yeah. It's Ghost the sports. same, but without pads. That's the difference. It's not the same. I don't know. Uh, it's I would not say, the same. I'm, like compared to football? Yeah. It's not the same as what football. What kind of football? Was it FU We're, football or FOO? FOO. Okay. It's, yeah, I was like, football, not football. That would be up to the Australians if they were talking about like soccer or rugby. Like which one? They were talking about like American pads, football. Yeah. Rugby is way more intense. Like what the hell? Yeah. Holy crap. What's the conversation here? What are you talking about, Gary? Who's on more steroids that's the that's yeah, the question yeah fucking rugby I don't know they savagely punch each other in the face just for funsies well it's have like, you football it's like yeah, if American football. football was hockey weak we have pads <laughs> and helmets and things to protect us they're running each other like who's gonna die yeah, that's I think the they might wear like a leather face mask or something just I to mean, make them look scary. It's relative in my opinion. Right? I, I played both. I played yeah. rugby and I played football. No. You're also a fucking brick shit house. Like, I, yeah, well, it's relative because you're going to murder just, everyone else. <laughs> well, you know, thank you. <laughs> no, it would be best is Americans playing their version of rugby. Yeah. Because they'd be bigger and scarier. Ooh. I don't know, man. There's some rugby players that are just ridiculous. Yeah, they're yeah. Yeah. They have the, they have the, yeah, they have some big white boys over there, and they have some. They have the Maoris. The Maori, yeah, and the Tongans. Maoris, the Tongans, Jesus. Yeah, the Tongans are, are just giant. I'm like, what do you feed these kids? So there's a security guard over at the aquarium in Long Beach, and he goes to the old Dubliner quite frequently, and I go there as well. But he's like six foot five. He's from he's from Norway. No, uh, <laughs> shit. It's in England. It's like Benz with a W. It's Wales? small. Yes, he's Welsh. That's what he is. But he's like six foot six and just fucking massive. Oh, Jesus. And he's like 60 years old. 60? And he would still beat the fuck out of every person in this room handily. But he, he came over here and played money. rugby. Never, uh, and he he was never like, underestimate old men. No, and he, <laughs> oh, yeah. he came over here to play rugby at, uh, one, like I think, USC Long Beach or whatever the fuck the college's name is. And... We asked him, I was like, is rugby here harder? And he's like, no, you guys are pussies. <laughs> I was like, all right, that about sums it up. Because he did not care. He's like, yeah, I came over here as a fucking rock star. Like, he was bigger than everybody, stronger everybody, and they just played more aggressive overseas, apparently. I don't know, man. I mean, I feel if you're watching the game pound for pound, rugby does look a lot more violent. Yeah. But I do feel it's rough on both ends because in rugby, when you're playing, you're not getting a full, like, 20-yard sprint a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, no, dude. When you watch that game, right? Like majority of the time, unless you get a good kickoff across the field, you're probably getting like a five yard to maximum 10 yard sprint up before somebody tackles you or what have you. Football, fuck, dude. You literally have almost a 20 yard full sprint at people before you nail that. I would say kickoff. all the time. Yeah, kickoff. Kick, Think, you kickoffs. just said kickoff for like rugby too. What's the argument here? Because there's breaks. You have to get a play. You have to set everything up. Sure, sure, sure. I'm just saying that the game, it feels closer a lot of times. I mean, the game of football has shifted more to passing than it used to be. It used to be more of a, like, uh, you know, trench warfare. But I feel like if you're looking at it pound for pound, they're both violent as fuck. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. You know, I've had friends have their eyeballs poked out, fingers broken, all types of shit. You know what That's I mean? Fun. Regardless of pads or not. You know what I mean? So mm. I'm defending football because I played it for so goddamn long. I'm not sure. I get it. I mean? so, um, You're but wrong, but way, you know, it's okay. Jesus fucking <laughs> Yeah, but does violence <laughs> qualify it? I mean, I think uh, in America, it's the qualifying yeah, exactly. element. Oh, I think America's become about. the new Roman Coliseum. Oh, That's yeah. kind of what we view. Exactly, right? Depends. Yeah, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> Coming back to the conversation about like other countries looking at us as awesome or anything like that. I, my wife and I were traveling to Japan and we met some New Zealanders at a bar. Kiwis. What, like, little Kiwis, exactly. And they're all like, hey, you American? And we're like, yeah, yeah, we're American. You guys suck. <laughs> 
That was a very good accent for when you said you guys are married. That was really good. Thank you. I've met a couple Kiwis. What year was that? Uh, Right after he got elected. It's American. (laughs) Just about right after he got elected. If you're, if if the Kiwi. American. It's the E. The E's? E. American. They, but we ended up hanging out with them for quite some time and they were pretty fun. Well, that's just you. You literally make friends make with people friends with who everybody. yell at you aggressively. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, nah, this is my people. I'm like, <laughs> oh, really? You hurt my feelings a little bit. You want to hang out and be my best friends? I mean, exactly. that's what everybody at this fucking table, by the way. This is true. I don't know how you guys feel. Are you guys happy? You guys sad? You guys don't give two shits about the results of what's going on? David, I feel like you actually have a lot of yeah, I have skin a, in the game. I have a political this. podcast, uh, the Dirt Podcast, and, and I keep up on politics. I, I try to keep it out of, I try to keep it out of work and stuff like that where it's not, you know, people aren't interested. Mm. But you know, I, I, I feel good about it. I wasn't sure where I was going to go. I lost my confidence in predicting things because I really didn't think it would happen the first time. Yeah. So now I have a little bit of confidence back. I've been predicting things lately and it's been happening. I'm just sad that the season's over now. <laughs> you know, the season... But uh, to be honest, Good episodes. Biden's not my favorite. So like, I think that's been a universal yeah. thing, though. Like everyone's like, these aren't the two best candidates. Yeah, right. we, we have four years. I think to these are the two worst into more candidates. Oh, yeah. we've had. Yeah, yeah. I, I had such a hard time. Sorry, too. no, I think Hillary was worse than Biden. So. Mm. But Kamala's. I think so. Kamala makes up the difference. Yeah, makes so. up the difference. Okay, one good thing is now that anybody who has daughters, whether they have brown any color white daughters they can say you can get in the oval office without just being first lady that's so, a good thing that's a good, good thing for all the people daughters yeah i mean points for that for sure mm-hmm. absolutely i'm gonna sound like a i guess this is the theme of the show i sound like an idiot today but i had a hard time choosing who to vote for and i was like i literally just wrote in the box at the bottom next time give us somebody better nice and check You're that a good out person. i respect <laughs> the honesty yeah. i just like i don't know yeah, I mean, we live in california right so you know which way it's going to lean regardless i sure. just I, I don't know i had a hard time i guess that really Really you know? is the only comment section on the ballot, on the isn't ballot. it? Like, exactly. That's that's the only place you can really truly express how you feel about what's going on. Right. Yeah, some people get so. mad when people protest vote, and I've done that before because I can't choose. I don't judge anybody badly for protest. I understand protest of votes. Course. What do you mean by what do you mean by protest voting? Oh, voting for somebody who's not actually on the. I won one year. I've, uh, my protest vote was Bill Gates. <laughs> See, that's just that you were asking about other countries and like how they view America. Like there's a few countries I know in Spain, I took a political science class and I learned about this process that they do in certain Latin American countries. Spain isn't a Latin American country, but um, it's called voting blank. And it's different from a protest vote in the sense that actually it's, it is a true protest vote because you're voting to say that you didn't like any of the political candidates. It's abstention. Offered. Yeah, exactly. And they count that in the voting percentage. So that's say, great. And I, I think that that should be yeah, part should of any that. fundamental that's democracy. Very yeah. interesting. That, so that's the, a good the idea. Candidates I like see that, that and they go, thirty-five uh, percent of the country said middle fingers across the board. <laughs> see, and so, I and they'll see that, that and go, we up, should dude. we should step our game up, start listening out. to the people a little more so that we can steal some of that and have mm-hmm. a chance at winning. I mean it encourages yeah. Political parties and the candidates they put forward to be better representative. And of also, the I think that combined with ranked voting should be good. And if somebody doesn't know, ranked <laughs> right. voting is where you pick your first, second, and third oh, choice. Yes. I agree. You can put I hate everybody as the first choice, and then second and third people that are on the ballot. Or just you get you know, five votes instead of one, and you can split them among candidates. Ooh, that I, I think, feel like that would get complicated for too many people, only because I think most America is really dumb. 
They'd be like, I have five. I don't know what to Sorry, do with that. Sorry, listeners. No, I feel really bad for you. Well, I mean, I, uh, I, 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 I totally uh, agree with you, Matt. I think it's the, mostly the people voting are what I tend to call the filthy writhing masses. And <laughs> I think we just named our, our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> our, listener, our fan base is the filthy writhing masses. I think that something, an alternative that would be kind of along uh, a couple of the lines that I've heard here would be being able to vote yes or no for either can either candidate or for both. Like every candidate that's available, you give a yay or a nay on them. Right. That way you can see when there's negative responses to people and you can vote no for everybody. You can vote yes for these three people or no for those, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think that the ability to get uh, negative results would be pretty good pretty in solid, a lot of cases yeah. because mm -hmm. then we have an option where if whoever gets the highest positive results gets the gets the presidency. And if nobody gets a positive result and everyone's in the negative, you just find new people and we do a new election. Yeah. I think it's uh, interesting what Han said, though. I do like the idea of like the talk about Spain, Latin American cultures is the idea that the people have more of a voice. This is yeah. like their representation, which is much better. That's what it's supposed I, to yeah, be. Just, I just don't think people don't do well when they have too many options. Like they, like they had the ability to do five. I don't think they'd want to come in and be like, well, I fuck. disagree. And I'll tell you why I disagree. I don't give a shit. This is, I disagree <laughs> because think about it this way. Okay. There is a lot of options on Amazon and people do a lot of fucking research. But they go the in for thing. one choice it's like they know they kind of know what they want kind of they know what they're looking for they know what they need right as an individual so they're going to look at a bunch of different options to find the thing that fits the thing that that uh, hits their value structure you know what i mean but you're giving them an opportunity to look at it in a little bit more detail by giving them different other because you're giving options. them because they're choosing one in the end instead of being like i can choose five things kind of ranking it. system yeah, I, mean, but. I think that it would end up being like a uh, taboo to not give all five votes to like the popular candidate that everybody's pushing for. I think we're just lazy it's, and we like it'd simplicity. Be a, it'd be another <laughs> version of what I call anti-voting where you just vote for the other guy because he's less bad or, you know, the other person because they're not as, you know, evil. The, the lesser evil, you just give it to them without even knowing what they stand for or anything. Right. So, so I'm guessing you guys would be against, in some countries, it's illegal to not vote. Like, you'll get fined. That, mm, that's interesting. That's a bit aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Once I, I, I got in an argument with the guy who's in Australia and he's, he got really mad. He's like, <clears throat> we fight for you guys to to vote you know so people have to vote you're disrespecting the the vets to not vote like you can't get mad at us because our pe our people fought for us like our soldiers fought for us to vote or not vote your soldiers fought for you to have to vote interesting i mean to that point though i was curious for your statement hans is like I'm an idiot for a lot of this like global government and stuff like that. The specific instance that you're talking I'm about. I'm not an expert either. <laughs> well, uh, you probably know more than any of us at the table. You have some insights. Um, but do they have like electoral college and those, that type of structure too? Or is it just... Electoral know, college, in my experience, has been very hard for people outside of America to understand. Mm -hmm. I think inside America as well. It's, like, it's, yes, for sure. I mean, it's general... In Europe where I lived, I mean, Turkmenistan was basically just a totalitarian dictatorship. So I've right. experienced this spectrum of, I don't even want to call it a spectrum, but just the different dimensions of, of government. Most people, at least in Europe that I met, had a hard time understanding a system that wasn't parliamentary too. Yeah, because I think for us, I, that, that's the hardest part for me is knowing like our government, we like our vote, you know, everybody says your vote counts, it counts. But also in a lot of ways, it kind of doesn't, you know, just the way our system works, right? And so I was... I like the general, you know, one-to-one -one vote. Like if this was like American Idol, it'd be 
awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then again, at the same time, you know, it, right, I understand the necessity of our electoral college, you know, because it's kind of saving us from ourselves because again, to Matt's point, we're kind of idiots. That was, you know that was the idea, that that was the idea, idea. behind the electoral college, exactly. to save us from ourselves. Save us from ourselves. Exactly. Right. But then in some weird way, as we progress through time. It also serves for checks and balances though, because I mean, you got to remember the United States is that it is a union of separate states. We're effectively like little nations in and of ourselves. We have a governing body that looks over all those little nations. And if we didn't have an electoral college, what would happen is a couple of states would effectively- like Texas and California and California so and New York would effectively choose every election. We it. would be, oh, who do we want for president? Uh, New York, what do you think? That guy? Okay, cool. That's the one. Yeah. And that would be it because there's so few, like those two states make up like most of America. In California alone, we have a higher population than all of Canada. Yeah. So, I mean, just put that in perspective when you think about how many people we have. And Canada's huge. Yeah, though there's a lot of what unlivable space that? there. I just thought about it and I was like, <laughs> but Canada's big though. This Gary just had you a light bulb. You just now realize that? Head. Have you not seen a fucking map? <sighs> not in a long time. America's right, got a big that? hat, man. Well, yeah. And, and uh, a lot of people have been leaving California because of a lot of stuff happening in California. Yeah. There's well, a hilarious. Yeah. Goodbye, you little shit. So <laughs> we're, sp- we're spreading blue people outside. There's a hilarious because, because <laughs> going around Nevada right now. Uh, my girlfriend saw it when she was back home. No, not Nevada, Arizona. I'm sorry. Arizona, like someone was driving their fucking, probably a Hummer, whatever. But it had a sticker that said, don't California my Arizona. <laughs> that's funny. That's like, are you okay, kidding me? Okay. I, I, I think that's hilarious. My brother probably needs that sticker. I mean, I get it, but I was like, you fucking tool. I mean, really? I agree, yeah. but you know, that's but some redneck shit. But here's the irony. I'm sure we all kind of watch parts of the election as it's, you know, being publicized and stuff. The thing that drove, I was like, holy crap, is that I didn't know that Arizona went to a blue state. Yeah, that's this. crazy. And I think they elected a blue governor as well. Yeah. And now I, I was that's just like, crazy. it's like the what? first time in like 20 some years. Or I mean, more I that? guess from my understanding, and again, tell me if I'm wrong or not, but they ended up uh, voting Obama during his election. So he was still in the blue. No, I, you know? red. I mean, somebody said that. So I, I didn't fact check it. Yeah. I don't fact check. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, <laughs> I went to Arizona a couple of months ago and, and it seemed very red at the time, the area that I was in. So okay. I, was, I was actually surprised. That's what I was saying because my yeah. brother is in Arizona. It's probably like a lot of He's closet very Republican. Mm-hmm. So quick lightning round, guys. You happy with the results? Give two shits about the results. I'm happy. Happy? David? Ultimately happy. Ultimately? Sean? Pensive. Pensive. I'm trying to start a purple party. That's oh. blue and red put together. Centrist. Centrist. We have five people oh. so far. Maybe if we're doing yeah. this podcast four years from now, we'll give you a good run for- uh, All right. I made know, a flag and before purple. I actually made the platform. All right. Is it just a purple flag? Please tell me it's, it's, it's just a solid just an excuse for you to do some design work. <laughs> it should just be a solid purple flag. And when we're using an ape or a gorilla as like the, the mascot, because that's cooler yes. than a donkey. Joe Rogan's going to be your guy's right I was going to say, but why not, why not do like some kind of weird like- the mutant, mutant animal that like well, is a bunch of different animals, like a Pegasus or something. Uh, somebody just Pegasus. said, or, 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 like, a mutant or animal. like a She's griffin. Like, well, when we said purple, or, we just thought of grape ape and chimera. Oh yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. 80s kids. The gorilla party. Yeah. Gorilla party. Oof. Well, you got my vote. There you go. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Sometimes. 
I just sit and ponder to life and I think whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. How long have I been sitting here? Am I really just pondering time? Whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But then it's me sitting here in this space. Am I really just pondering space? Whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Whatever cologne. Available at all Walgreens or whatever. All right, so what's up, y'all? I'm Hans, as Gary introduced me earlier. And I just came out with a book of poetry called The Heart That Beats. And I'm going to read a poem that a lot of people have liked that have read my book. And it's about my experience growing up half Mexican, half German as a kid in a pretty much all white town. And the poem is called A Spick Like Me. When I was a kid, I chilled with my gramps. He was an old school spick with tequila in his veins and white hair. He used to walk me to the moon on his shoulders, telling stories of Juarez bootleggers, El Paso murders, and pretty girls with roses for ears. He spoke Spanish. I did too. He spread chili on his pancakes. I did too. At the breakfast table, we sat six and 66, sipping near beer and cracking dirty jokes. I was his muchacho alegre. At the schoolyard, that all changed. Kids saw my tan skin, heard my accent. They asked my name. Why, it's Johann Klaus Felmenstein, I said. Ike. The gravel turned hot with laughter. Johann, they said. But don't you speak Spanish? I mean, what kind of spick are you? I asked my daddy that night. His belly rolled and his beard lit up as he said, the kind with a German name. After that, I started seeing things like Nazis in my bedroom smoking cigarettes, Einstein's face in my cereal bowl. When I hit the pinata, it burst into sauerkraut. When I sipped my horchata, it churned into schnapps. I walked around the playground like a freak on stilts, poncho on one shoulder, lederhosen strap on the other. One day while getting lit into, I made a friend. He was a black kid, a nigger like me. He told me, stiffen up. Don't let him call you spick. I said, thanks for that. He said, no problem, my nigga. From then on, I walked with a limp, put candy in my grin and braided my hair. When fools tried to test me, I showed him a nigga pimp, slapped him across the jaw, made they face raw, but still I couldn't shake him. I was more spick than ever, gliding up the block with zebra-painted skin. I tried to hide in others, but nothing seemed to work. The Asians saw a Persian. The Persians saw a Turk. When all was lost, I grabbed a bottle, put it to my lips and chugged. What came out was puke, piss, and shit. After that came words. I put them on the page to sew myself together. Now I sit before you, reading what I wrote. You see the tan, you see the skin, you see the kraut, you see the grin, the pimp, the clothes, the limp, the nose, all tacked together a sombrero at my back. Homie, you ain't never seen a spick like me. Dude. That's the end. <laughs> Fucking awesome, man. Thank you for reading yeah, that, Hans, man. I really appreciate that, man. I think, um, <laughs> yeah, wow. it's great, dude. 
It's great, man. I Hans and I, we've known each other for up to almost seven years now. And I just, I've, I'm grateful that you do that. Thanks, you know man. I, mean? I appreciate I that. really, really am. I think it's a wonderful contribution to whoever gets to read it, in all honesty. I you appreciate know? that, my man. I think looking at art, right? We're all kind of creative in our own ways. We're all kind of doing our thing. I mean, for you, Hans, like what got you to where you are today. As a writer, how many books have you written? I've written two full-length novels. Can I plug them? Yeah. The first one is called Chuck Life's a Trip. It's about a trip I took around the world with my childhood buddies in 2006. It was pretty life-changing. And the second one is called Saving Jahan, which was about my time in Turkmenistan as a Peace Corps volunteer and working with a woman who, her dream was to get out of the country. And I was basically an alcoholic and a fuck up. And she was like my only helping her was like the one good thing that I did or the one important thing that I feel like I did there. Mm. And then this final book is the heart that beats It's a collection of poetry. So how many poems have you written? How many are in this book? So in this book, there's 71 poems. Well, if you include the intro 72, which is a poem of sorts and it probably took about, so Those poems are written over a six-year period, and in that six-year period, I probably wrote in excess of maybe 3,000 poems, (laughs) and a lot of them were absolutely the worst shit ever anyone's ever put down on a page, like tremendously terrible shit, and I had boiled it down to about, I think it was 179 poems, and that took probably about six months of just sifting through just cat turds in the litter box. (laughs) And then I gave it to an editor that I found. And this guy was fucking legit. And he was like, nah, bro, you're going to need to really cut this down because even some of these are just garbage. Mm. And I was like, okay, touche. Why is that? He gave me the reasons. All right. And so we were able to boil it down to 71 poems, 72. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, it's a dirty process. And it's it's a humbling one, man. (laughs) Yeah, dude. When you get people that are like, hey, you know, each one of those kind of hit a different angle. It's like, yeah, I, cool. look for, I look forward to hearing more because um, it, it kind of remi- maybe because I haven't read enough, but it kind of made me think of like Henry Rollins. He's it's like raw and gritty and a unique perspective, though, you know, um, so it kind of reminded me of that. And I own those books. so I look forward to hearing more. Cool. Man. Yeah, it's a little Bukowski, yeah. right? A little Henry yeah. Rollins. I don't know if that's the vibe or you influences. Bukowski's so, my, I was about to say, my just definitely Bukowski, yeah. Bukowski yeah. just yeah. with the <laughs> realism, like yeah. just the no holes barred, like you're going to hear yeah. it. I don't really care what you think. It's visceral. Yeah. Yeah. I think being a creative is extremely difficult, right? Because I think you're consistently balancing like this. And I hate using this term, but I don't have a better one to, you know, fill in, but it's like the passion versus like the living. Right. So, right. Like I know for myself, I've gone through so much turmoil, like inner fucking dialogue, inner demons, you know, all those things in order to kind of like keep fueling the craft. And I find the uphill battle is like giving yourself an opportunity to do the thing that may or may not make a living while doing the thing that's making you a living. You get what I'm saying? Just this last week, I ended up boning out of a job that says it's a good job, right? Like it was a great job. Um, but I was realizing like the work that I was doing was like just sucking the life out of me. And I'm happy now because I was able to just be like, yeah, you know, it, being open to other opportunity or other possibilities. But at the same time, it's like, now I'm like, well, fuck, what am I going to do for money? 
<laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and those types of things are really difficult. So how do you guys like manage, what do you guys do on a day to day for money versus fueling the passion? I have an interesting recent revelation on this and it came from, I was watching a video on stocks and this guy was saying, you should own your time. If you have enough money, you own your time. It's called fuck you money <laughs> where you can say fuck you to a job. Yeah. This is the exact thing I talked about in the very oh, really? the pilot podcast. It was mm-hmm. John Goodman's speech about fuck you money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a whole thing. He's like, you just pay off your house, have enough put away. Boss doesn't want you, you don't work for your boss. Fuck you. Like, it's just literally, you come <laughs> from a position of well, fuck that's, you. That's the goal. But like a secondary goal can be, the guy was talking about owning your own time. He's, uh, you know, having a bunch of money allows you to own your own time. If you're doing stocks, you know, you don't have to spend all your time working. But for an artist, we like to spend a lot of time working on what we're doing, working on our projects and bringing it to fruition, giving birth to them. And... And that takes a lot of time. So I consider, um, of course, I'm trying to get the money. And also, though, you're owning your own time if you're doing what you want to do. If you want to work on your project and it's making money, or even if you want to work on somebody else's project, if you actually want to and you enjoy it, you are on some level owning your time. Mm-hmm. So there's two ways to own your time, I guess, and working on trying to do both. Yeah, that's been my whole journey right now. It's like my wife's dad is very financial conscious, you know, those types of things. And I've always been interested in art in general. And he's just like, well, how are you going to make money doing that? How are you going to blah, blah, blah doing that? So I'm like, fuck, I don't know, man. I think at the end of the day, like I've been very fortunate to find jobs that allowed me to kind of have like a living in some form of capacity. But then at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Right. Like I see something different. And this is just the, like the means, you know what I mean? So I've worked really hard to kind of design my life so that I can do both in inhibited. I have not been as fortunate. I have worked at FedEx putting fucking boxes (laughs) in trucks at two in the morning to try to make money. That was a joy. Oh yeah. I tell you. And I was a third party at a casino, a bicycle, which wasn't a bad job by all means. It was just, it was terrible hours. I was working 8 PM to 4 AM. So just you're constant jet lag. It sucked. I uh, worked health insurance for uh, state farm for this man who I will not name, but he was a scuzzy piece of shit. <laughs> I uh, like just what had, state farm wasn't there. Uh, it was here. It was up in, um, Oh shit. I can't even think of the street now. It was, it's, not it's like 30 minutes away. Uh, his last name is the opposite of big. So <laughs> if anyone can figure that out, congratulations. But I just did not enjoy it. He really pushed things. Just kind of remind everybody what you do now. And now it's writing scripts, right? I do write scripts. I just actually, I got hired by a guy in the UK to write um, a feature form. So, you know, it's 20 K and then on the back end's 15, he actually gave me a few points too. So I wanted to get the fruition. So that was really good. Good man. But I mean, if you really feel like you're passionate about something, you have to go for it. It's nice because like where we're all at in our careers is like, we've been hustling. I think every one of you guys at this table, we're all just like super creative guys. I mean, or I wouldn't be hanging out with you. (laughs) No offense, anybody else, but I really enjoy the the conversations that we have. We've all just been grinding. You you have to be ingenuitive. That's a big part that I didn't realize about being an artist and staying an artist is, you know, finding gaps and holes where you can be useful, um, mm. staying useful at a studio so you don't get laid off. There's a big turnaround rate a lot of times. Yeah, right. Um, finding out a lot of things that you're doing sometimes can get, the market can get flooded. Mm-hmm. So you either have to be the best nowadays with a lot of likes on your Instagram and stuff to prove it. You know, it's funny too, is I realized like I've had a bunch of jobs myself that you don't care about, you know? Like, oh, yeah. And in some weird way, I feel like I've self-sabotaged the actual thing I've been wanting to do for a long time, you know, and it took a 
lot of therapy to kind of get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with therapy. Right. FYI, yeah. I just throw that out there. Right. Because I'm like, what, what the fuck is in my way? You know what I mean? And I think for myself, I pinged a lot of different areas, right? Like I've started a lot of different businesses. I started a lot of different bullshit. And at the end of it, I'm always kind of being like, oh, I don't want to do this. Yeah, I mean, I'm always coming back to the writing. I'm always coming back to being, you know, a filmmaker or whatever. You just kind of said, I mean, what's in your way? Nine times out of 10. You? We are the things that are in our way. We either talk ourselves out of it or we downplay ourselves. Like that is most creative people have the hardest times with like battling themselves. Yeah, for sure. Around a lot of people that are not artists, I feel unique, but around artists, you're just like all the other ones. And there's a lot of bad traits that come with it. And so that that's good to see it, but also bad to see it. You're like, oh crap. A lot of times we're bad at math, bad at money, <laughs> yeah. waste time, put stuff off. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. an interesting sentiment, like being around ADHD all of you guys. Big, I think a big thing in, oh, yeah. in creatives. I mean, I can see that. I mean, being around you guys though, it's like, I don't, I still feel unique, but I feel more accepted being around all of you guys. Than well, you're like, not. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I think that, well, okay. I think we all kind of, one good thing about this particular group is that we all kind of specialize in a different realm of creative work. So we're all kind of peers in a way, because I think in a perfect, in a, in a perfect situation, the bunch of us could make up a studio of people who all have a strength rather than being part of a fleet of, for instance, David, all artists or uh, all, you know, sketch artists or, you know, all script writers, Matt, you know, we all have our own way to shine in this particular group, which is kind of nice because here we can kind of feel safe in that regard, which, you know, but like you say, in a situation where you're just one of many, it's really hard to find value in your own work because we're all so critical of ourselves and then we end up holding back out of that fear and then we don't push ourselves um, unless we become very good self-motivators we don't push ourselves far enough to succeed well you had mentioned and reminded me another thing is i think a big part of being an artist and staying an artist and being you know somewhat successful is criticism like we have to be our own worst critic a lot and we got to take a lot of criticism from other people well yeah. i think that's what yeah, you that's know i was talking about earlier when he had that editor like that's another big thing too. Is like it's not only the self doubt that you know artists have, but also like the <laughs> you there's get, a sense you got to get good at taking it. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's also a sense of like everything that we create, more or less, like it's really hard. We're like, no, this is this is fucking great. Like you oh, need man. you need that outside perspective to come in and be oh, like, hey, well, there's often a vision from people outside of art, seeing you know going, oh, you, you know, you guys are lucky you get to do that. <laughs> the romanticized so lucky. idea yeah, it's like, of it all. Sometimes I feed into that just to keep that. You know, it's like, oh, I'll, I'll let them keep thinking that, and then sometimes yeah. I'll because it, it's almost kind of useless to tell them otherwise and then they get sad it's like oh i'll yeah. let them be happy and tell them oh yeah it's super easy and it's work know. though right like <laughs> it's totally work yeah it's, it's work definitely yeah I, I don't i think a lot of them couldn't do it even if they had skill yeah because yeah. there's a lot of other parts moving parts to it well it's even interesting too like uh, you know dealing with all this pandemic stuff going on right now like at least david for us right we've been freelancers for fucking how long right so there was really no skip for me in like my work life balance. And what I'm realizing when I'm working with other people, they're like, how the hell did you do this for so long? And I'm like, it's just the work, I guess. I don't know. I didn't think about it, you know, because now they're feeling like, how do I deal with my day? Right. Because when you're waking up, going to a place of work, like you're in the doors and you sit down, this is work. You leave. It's you leave it behind when you're doing it from home. There's so much more discipline that you have to instill to be able to like actually do that thing. So I just, I've heard a lot of horror stories of people trying to figure out 
how the fuck to do it. And it's not just training yourself. You have to train the household oh, to leave true. you alone. That's true. And, and, and consider your, you know, the time where you're working actual work time. That's true. Yeah. That's true. I think my question, Hans, when you were traveling, did you find that traveling and being in different areas was better for the creativity or was it hard not having kind of like a home base? In my early years of traveling, it was basically just like, okay, I'm going to pick a bunch of countries and travel around. And it was more of just like a way to gain material. And then when I came home, I would put it all on the page and I found that I couldn't live here and be a writer and earn a sustainable living. And there were countries I found outside of America that were more conducive to that. So especially the Czech Republic, I don't want to say it's the best country in the world, but it was pretty cool for that. So I was able to earn a living as an English teacher. I lived modestly and I just crafted my schedule around writing and of course using teaching as a vehicle to earn enough money to support myself. And I just made sure that during the week I dedicated three hours of my day minimum to my art, five days a week, 15 hours. A little bit every day equals a lot. It does. Where I fucked up was Prague was kind of a hedon's playground and I was doing too much <laughs> drinking, Matt, your face, dude. snorting <laughs> and fucking. And, uh, Tell us more. Those <laughs> they were great for material for a while, but then they just became destructive and they pretty much almost killed me. That's a different story, but since then I've learned, okay, I got to put my health as one of those instead of write, drink, fuck, coke. <laughs> Do you go over any of that in any of your books? Go up, yeah. I mean, oh, I awesome. think that's probably like also this like the whole strange thing. myth hey, that bye. a lot of, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Is that, you know, America likes to kind of portray, not necessarily, in, it's kind of a genre almost to think that wealth and, you know, sex, money, drugs, like these are all great things, but it's kind of just like you said, like if you do it, you start to realize how shallow and vapid it almost becomes. Like it loses its luster very quickly. Yeah. Like, there's nothing there's like connected to it. Yeah. There's no there's emotional. Like diminishing returns eventually. Oh, very fast though. But, uh, like, but in the beginning, it probably propels a lot. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure in the beginning it's like, this is a lot of fun. But then after time you're like, I don't feel much anymore. This is no longer what I thought it was. I mean, that's right. my view of it. I don't know if you can speak to that or. Yeah, I was an alcoholic for about 15 years and pretty heavy cocaine user for three. At first, yeah, it was definitely a propellant for me to get into new scenarios, situations, talk to new people, blah, 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 blah. Definitely got a lot of wild stories out of it, but it reached a threshold and it crossed into a point where it was just, doing much more destruction than it was creation because I was using it as my primary source of fuel. And, mm. and it, you know, you can't dump garbage in your tank, you know, day in and day right. out and expect gold to come out the other end. Yeah. And so that's what was happening. And, you know, I got really, really sick. That's basically why I'm home now, oh, but now home, I'm yeah. on the tail end of it. I wouldn't even say tail end. Well, maybe tail end. You're yeah, on the mend. Oh, I'm definitely on the mend. I mean, I was really sick with pancreatitis for a while, but I'm good now. And my doctors were just basically like, okay, uh, no more drinking, no more of that. And if you do that, you can just live the rest of your life without any problem. And I was like, that's a pretty fucking good deal. I think I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> Sold, sir. Sold. Sold. Any of our female listeners, he very much looks like a much more fit Pedro Pascal in the face. So if you need to like kind of <laughs> imagine this voice of somebody, there you go. So enjoy that. Yeah. I don't know. Who, who's Pedro Pascal? I don't know. Uh, so he's like the Red Viper in Game of Thrones. Um, okay. He's been, he, he's the Mandalorian. He's the yeah, voice he plays of the Mando. Man. He, he plays Mando. Mando. He's the voice of the Mandalorian. No, no, he plays Mando. He, like he's oh, physically was, in the suit. No, at all I times. That was I thought that was Clint Eastwood's son who does all the, oh, no. the suit work. No, no, that's I actually, read somewhere that was him. 
Oh, from my understanding, he was doing all of the all work, of it, yeah. and yeah. then he would do voiceover Even later. Even better. Yeah, because that physical acting is fucking brilliant. That's what he loved about it. That's that what he really great. wanted to do. But yeah, he was in like Equalizer 2. Um, oh God, he was in the Ben Affleck. Wasn't he in the King Oscar Kingsman? Isaac. The second Kingsman? He too? was. He was in the second yeah. Kingsman. Uh, he was in the anyway, Oscar now you, now you know. Yeah. Now okay. you know. I think you may have an idea. You're fuckable like. is basically what we're getting to. Sweet. Right. <laughs> You're fuckable. Yeah. Yeah. Dudes yeah. are telling me that. It's <laughs> <laughs> always a good thing. I don't know if we got a full answer from Sean. What fuels you? To keep going. And yeah, you didn't weigh in on that. One. Mm. Better get in here, boy. So he's like, I'm still figuring it out. So for me, creativity is a sort of the window that I feel safe letting people look through. I kind of my whole life, like my brain's always going constantly, 100% full throttle, multiple lines of thought simultaneously. And I hide that as much as possible from people because sure. I've found in my life that it makes a lot of people very uncomfortable. Most people don't get a window into how I feel or what I think because I don't uh, think that I share a lot of the same points of view as others. Anyways. Sure. You're contrarian. Right. Or at least I try to be um, analytical of things in ways that other people aren't. Mm. So it's kind of a hobby of mine. Anyways. So my creativity is a sort of outlet for everything in my head and this is kind of like well here's a part of me that I want to share and see what people think of it and I kind of use it as a sort of a, a gauge for myself which may or may not be healthy but um, I find that I get a lot of satisfaction out of it whether or not people like my work just the act of taking something out of my head and putting it down on paper or you know a document or whatever or recording or something the production of creative work is that outlet for me and that window for others to to kind of get a sense of who I am in a way that's safe. So is it safe to kind of say, because like, you know, Matt, you're a screenwriter by trade. Mm -hmm. David, you're an illustrator by trade. I'm a film director by trade. And then you have Hans, who's a novelist by trade. Are you more of a hobbyist by trade? Mm. Or, uh, you know, because it sounds like really you kind of have creativity in, in a lot of different areas, not necessarily very specific. So vocationally, I do graphic design and marketing for a cinema tech company. Mm -hmm. So I do like ads and things like that. I you know, work in Photoshop type programs. Mm -hmm. It's not Photoshop because I'm cheap, but and I kind of get a little bit of my creative juices out there. Mm -hmm. I'm mostly focused right now. I, I want to say as like a hobbyist, but a little bit. I'm working a little bit above a hobbyist level. I'm not just doing it for funsies. I actually want to publish something. I'm creating a tabletop game yeah. because it's a good creative outlet for both writing and with my analytical mind where I'm literally writing rules for an entire universe. Like yeah. I have to think of this world and its own unique physics and go, how do I create a rule structure that governs anything that can happen in this world and make it consumable and balanced by, and balanced and balanced, yeah. by a layman. Yeah, it's uh, it's that, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is something for all of us or not, but I do like this like ex machina type of creating, being the God to create the, a particular world or point of view. World or building. What, yeah, I guess world building, world building whatever, is really what yeah. I'm doing yeah. because I'm not just creating the lore behind an entire world, multiple species, animals, right. flora, fauna, you name it. Jesus, uh, even the fucking plants? Yeah, well, everything. Think, 
That, I told it's you. It's really cool. There to is me, so yeah. much in my head at all times that I need to have a creative outlet. Otherwise, I don't do well. And mm. being able to share that, like I said, is a window into my mind. Well, you know what I love about this, though, is because I've known you for so long. It's really cool to see you actually find something that you're driving all that creativity into. Mm -hmm. And it's my driving force to become a better creator. Yeah. So I have all this stuff going on and I probably wouldn't have become an artist of any kind. You know, I drew a lot as a kid, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't really an artist on like David's level, not even by a long shot. But I don't think a lot of people are. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's a lot of different kinds. There's a lot of, I mean, like I'm probably like, you know, like the kids with the crayons in the corner, like that's, that's my level of, you know, (laughs) (laughs) capability but like when it comes to but there's a lot of mediums but I know know what's in my head and I know how to convey that so it's storytelling and descriptive writing and things like that but I mean like I wouldn't have become any of these things if I didn't have a need to produce this thing that's in my mind it drives everything that I learn about how to be a creative person all my technical skills all my writing skills everything is all driven by this intense need to get the stuff in my head out and in front of other people because the approval or disapproval that I get there is kind of like a way for me to, it's a metric for, I guess my own, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ego? It, 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 well, it certainly feeds the age. I tend to get a lot of positive feedback, but, you know, I also have a lot of, you know, very trusted people who will tell me when it's shit and I go, okay, cool. And I Thank can kind you. of, I can kind of gauge where I'm at yeah. because I can read other people. No problem. I, it's reading myself. I have to kind of like meter where I'm at with other people yeah. by going, here's my shit. Yeah. What do you think? You know what I love is for you, Hans, it seems, you know, cause we're all coming from different disciplines, but for you, it's like your page, it's you. Like you're not writing for anybody in particular. You're in a lot of ways you're writing for yourself. For me as a filmmaker, I'm bombarded every day with industry jargon and influences. Influence. Exactly. Right. Where like, I'm thinking like, I have this concept, I have this idea. This is something that I really want to kind of do. But then you question, questioning, like, is this sellable? Is this marketable? Is this going to, you know, all these things. And I think for myself, it kind of came to a place where I'm trying to get to the mentality that you have, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck if it's sellable or not sellable or whatever. I'm just going to try to get to the page and just go with whatever it is. And hopefully that differentiates enough that can be sellable at some point. Yeah, you're on adulterated you know I mean? blood. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? But it took me a long time to actually get to that mentality, you know? And I think, Matt, you and I have talked to pretty in depth oh, about yeah. that particular process. The fact is there's so many people in the world that there's there's going to be a market for whatever it is you produce. Right. You just have to get there's it out another there. another book, right? That thousand fans. You guys ever heard this theory of a thousand fans? No. No. So basically the, there's a great book. I can send it to you guys, but the book is, um, I won't read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you the, I'll send you the blinkest version of it. I probably already know the, 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 the premise. The, the premise. It, and it's really smart, right? <laughs> so. Because like all you need is a thousand people that are willing to pay 20 bucks a year or more. So anytime you have something that comes out, they're paying for it. Right. Exactly. So you know what I mean? It's like you, you know, Seems say you create, yeah. Say like, you know, your three books that came out this last year, right. You right. found a thousand fans that's 60 bucks per fan that you have. So what's 60 times a thousand gentlemen? 60,000. Boobies. Just kidding. Boobies. <laughs> that is the vote count. That's the <laughs> Right, sixty thousand dollars. Sixty thousand dollars is a good amount of yeah, money well, to live off of the, in doing your your the, thing. The truth is, I've released those three books in about the span of a year, less than a year, and I've made 
probably about a thousand dollars and not sure. found a thousand fans. <laughs> sure. Well, and that's so. but that's the it's the thing though, it's right? Building. It builds. It's that's the but the goal becomes looking at it from that mentality. Mm-hmm. I don't need to hit a mass market. I don't need a million people. I just need a thousand people that really believe in what I'm doing, believe in the work that I'm doing. I mean, it's like to me, it's the whole Kevin Smith model, right? It's like Kevin Smith did these kind of cult classic style movies, right? And luckily, you know, in his earlier years, you know, he got big distribution through Miramax and all that bullshit. Why? Weinstein, thank you. The things that he (laughs) must have done to get that fucking clerk's bot. Those old Kevin Smith movies really touch me. (laughs) (laughs) Really. Hit the button. (laughs) Sometimes I like to make the sound myself, you jerk. Anyway, uh, my, my point is that he found a group of fans. He kept a group of fans and all this dude does now, he just makes stoner movies. Like that's literally all the movies he but makes. They're not good. It doesn't matter it if does, they're not yeah, good. It doesn't matter if it they're not good. It doesn't matter at this point because, <laughs> because he has his audience that he knows that he has that a he hardcore can, base. But fault. no, exactly. I would, I would technically okay with disagree that, with that yeah. because like Tusk and whatever the next one he did, I don't it's like about the fucking little German the soldiers. sausage, whatever. Yeah, yeah like the, the sausage Germans who came to life. Oh no, yeah, yoga hosers. Yoga hosers, thank you. That had a bit of a budget. It was like a million plus. He did not have enough people rent, see it to cover that. No, he actually, what ended up happening is they became, it was, so Tusk was, um, trash. I actually liked it. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I loved it. Has everyone here seen, have you guys seen Tusk? I've seen it where he's the guy that he turns him into a wall. What's even better? Here's the thing. I want to get Hans in since he's not here all the time. No, fuck off. Fuck off. Let Hans speak. Listen to me. Okay. What I love about that damn movie, you can't let Matt push you around. Okay. You can't let him push you around. Please don't push me around, man. There it is. Don't burn the roast. (laughs) The reason why I think I love Tusk, I look at it from two different perspectives. So bear in mind, we're probably going to look at it from Han's perspective, knowing what he knows. Which is, do you know the backstory of how Tusk got made? Enlighten me. So this is why I fucking love something like this. Because it was literally a podcast, just like we're doing right now, him and his buddy Mosier. And they were basically going through these weird articles, you know, and somebody pinged him this Craigslist ad about a weird dude that was looking for somebody that would dress up like a walrus and basically feed or and do whatever in this walrus costume for a couple hours a day. And they'll get free room, free board all that jazz, right? And in the process, they're all stoned as shit. And he goes off on a potential beat sheet of what this movie would be. And so all of a sudden he's like, this movie would be hilarious. And he told his fans, he says, if you guys want this movie to be made, hashtag walrus yes on my Twitter feed or whatever, millions of his listeners fucking hashtagged yes. Right. And so they ended up going through it and he's like, look at a lot of people want to watch this dumb fucking thing. And it went through a podcast all the way through a completed film that got distribution. So to me, that is a wonderful way of like, if we had an idea at this table right now, we got a thousand listeners. We could easily say, Hey, you guys like us. We appreciate you. We made this fucking thing. Go out and buy it. And we have a direct audience that wants it. To me, like Kevin Smith is like the pioneer for a lot of those yeah, types of concepts. you're forgetting one important thing. 
What's that? There's a difference between appreciating someone's creative method and appreciating what came out the of it. Came out of it. Yeah. And so this is the difference, right? Because I'm a film guy and I appreciate right. the history that got to that film. You know what I mean? You, who's and the history's the, dope, I agree. I just didn't care for the product. The pro, well, you, know, the pro, you know, I don't know. I liked it. I, I, I guess the product. sensibility, right? I liked this the product, is, uh, but not because it was like a blockbuster film. I look at it like there's like A-list movies. There's, you know, but there's also like, like in gaming, there's triple A titles. Yeah. It wasn't exactly the triple A title of film. It was, of course not. you know. Very B. It was very B, but it was a good B. Well, it was, really was B moments plus. in that movie, though, right? It, it, it like, felt a little. It didn't claim to be anything that it wasn't, right? Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't trying to be something else and failing. It mm. was. It, it was, was trying to be so bad that it comes back around to good. And to some people, it did. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I felt it didn't like, feel a little bit like Human Centipede. I felt like it was very in a weird sense, but uh, I mean, close. I, th- I, think but, it, I, mean, I think it's a lot like that, yeah. though. I felt like it was supposed to be with better exactly what it was. Because who's the guy? Michael Park. Who was the old man? Yeah, it was Michael Park, I believe. Michael Park, yeah. yeah. Rest in peace, bro. R.I.P. R.I.P. Great dude. character Great actor. character actor. Yeah. I mean, there's scenes in there that I'm just like, geez, he's just so good no matter what he's reading. I felt like you it know? was a bunch of different elements that came together really well to make a probably a mediocre script turn into like a pretty well-produced movie for what it was. For what it was, exactly. And but I, going back to the fact that like you said millions of people were like, yes, sure. hashtag yes. The Budget was three million, which yes. sounds so expensive for whatever reason. It made it all went just, to Michael Park. It went one point nine. So <laughs> that's it, how much it made. It didn't even cover the budget. Well, the marketing was garbage. Well, marketing yeah. was garbage, but I even think that people who saw it, I didn't check the Metacritic, but I feel like no I one's going like, to go out and be like, "This was see, a but fun you're that movie." Dude, that's looking at the that type of data. There's so much. Other True. things happening underneath the, you know, behind the curtain that we don't know about. True. You know I saying? am definitely like when you were talking earlier about like when you write, like, you know, Hans writes for himself. You're yeah. that. I literally think about, okay, how is it financially feasible? Yeah. Is this marketable? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be for a mass audience? Like I generally write like that. Well, yeah, you're looking to sell though. That's, I, you know, yes. You, especially in the movie business, right? Sust- yeah. For, I want to sell to sustain. I think when I get to a point where like I'm living comfortably, just do I'll write the, the one that it's just like, I want to direct this. I want to do this because I do have that drive to do that. And I think this is where there's a very strange belief, you know, the starving artist, whatever the fuck you want to call it. People really romanticize that shit. It's not fun. It's garbage. It is not fucking fun. (laughs) It's not romantic. There's nothing fun about it, but there is kind of a, you know, you have to pay your dues and that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And not everybody has to pay their dues. There's John Spates who Mm -hmm. wrote Prometheus. His spec was shadow 19, I think. And then that got him a job for Prometheus. He wrote, the one with Chris Pratt and oh, Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, Passenger or whatever. Passenger. Yeah. So he's done a lot of those. So he's done really well. But he didn't have that struggle. Like he did something creatively. I think it was like video advertising. Like he created commercials. He made a shit ton of money, sold the company, and then just lived off that while he was writing. I mean, that's nice. A lot of people struggle. Some don't. If you can. Why, what makes you think that he didn't struggle through that entire process? I don't think he struggled. I think he struggled to get the company up. But once he sold the company, he sold it for a shit ton of money. Sure. So he can comfortably live creatively. Yes, there's always a struggle there to create you know, content that is digestible and people accept, um, especially in screenwriting. Cause I think, you know, writing a novel or things like that, generally speaking, you will write for yourself and people will relate to it on that level. It's like, I connect with this. I understand this. Whereas I think with screenwriting, if you want to get the most people, you have to write very general. Like if you write in a niche, you're going to have that. Absolutely. (laughs) And then it becomes an indie art house film and nobody fucking watches it. Exactly. (laughs) But the idea of like, you have to be struggling. Like if you don't have to struggle, fucking don't. Well, Well, the idea, I think nobody's really fully 
control of this, even though people think that they are. You yeah, need a break. Exactly. You, yeah. you, you create, you create, you create, and either you get one early or you get one late. And the break is where you can step in and make more money off of it. Right. Whether you, yeah. you gather a big cult following or you get in at a big company. Uh, this is on the same subject. You edit this out if you want, but this is slightly derailing. This is on the on the concept of good or bad ideas. Mm-hmm. I like but this. I, I want to start. We have a, a few graphic designers here at the table. So uh, a T-shirt company where everyone puts in money, a, certain, a small amount of money. We're getting enough people. It's a small enough amount of money to print um, a shirt run. And everyone competes to design the worst T-shirt. <laughs> and everyone votes together which is the worst T-shirt. And the, and the idea is just putting. I just want. I don't, I don't want my, my idea. I'm not trying to get my sh- designs out. I just re- genuinely want the worst design put out. Well, it's funny you say <laughs> yeah, that. There's like, like a buy it. thing I saw it on Instagram, but like this dude, hipster, I forget where it hipster was. Hipster gold. But yeah. people were sending in pictures of their pets, and he drew horrible pictures. Like it started out, he was drawing <laughs> with his son. Like they would just draw pictures, like as cards for. Uh, like family members and then people started submitting pictures like draw a horrible picture of like my dog or my cat they're hysterical mind you like they're terribly drawn but they're funny as hell he he raised like thirty thousand dollars from that for a charity Jesus. like just because they're Doesn't terrible be good Pretty just dope. has to be produced, produced. Yeah. and you will find an audience absolutely and i feel like i should clarify something or qualify something that i said earlier when uh when i was mentioning about like why i produce it i think i touched on this off mic during the break but uh, the idea of compersion is deriving joy from the joy of others so when i produce i direct and, and i present it to other people it isn't because i'm seeking like their approval per se i literally almost vampirically feed on their joy it, it gives me joy when other people Energy enjoy vampire. what i do right yeah so, I'm right there with you. Yeah. So like if I, if I go, here's something I created and it is, yes, still a window to my mind and it is a safe way for me to express that. But I do find that when other people, whether or not they enjoy it is, it doesn't really have any effect on me. Like I'm not Mm going to sit there and hate myself if nobody likes something I made. Right. I'll just go, okay. I'll take that feedback. Eat a dick, and, asshole. And Peace in, out. I'll take that feedback and then improve. <laughs> in fact, for me, like, you know, if it's negative result, then I go, okay, now I know and I can do better next time. Yeah. But, you know, it's just feedback. It's all yeah. feedback. Yeah, it's, I think, it's but a, when I get it, that positive feedback, the reward of joy that somebody else takes in something that I did, that is pure hot liquid gold for myself. I think that's almost intrinsic for... I don't want to say all artists, but we always want to provide some kind of joy, maybe even catharsis for people. Mm-hmm. Like you feel the same way. I was going to say, yeah. yeah Hans, you when you were reading, way, I'm yeah. super jealous of people who have the confidence to, like, I do not have that. But when you were reading, like you had a very true, almost statutory. So like when you were reading and when you're expressing, like you were like back in that moment of writing it, like you were just living that out. And I think that is phenomenal. What I really liked Thanks, about man. it too, was that I felt like when you were reading, not just what you wrote, but how you read it and everything, I felt like we were all being taken to those experiences in your life. And that's not easy to do, to put down really raw emotion like that, really raw thoughts and just take other people to your experiences like that, dude. I, that is commendable. That is good stuff. I mean, very, very good. I liked it a lot. So back to your point, Matt, like when you do that, I mean, do you find, yeah, I mean, there's joy in the creative aspect of it, but do you find also like kind of the same, I forgot the word already because I'm terrible with my memory. Compersion. Compersion. Plus it's just an interesting word. Like, do you find that as well? Sort of made up. When someone (laughs) can feel 
the joy or the emotion that you were getting across? Do you find like joy in that yourself? Like if you can connect with somebody, it's like, this is awesome. It's kind of a layered question. I'll answer it like from my perspective, like what I'm actually looking for. Like, do I feel joy in their joy? So not necessarily like when I read something or I write something, my main objective isn't necessarily to evoke joy, but it's just to evoke. Right. Like I want to produce a strong reaction in somebody when I write. And I, the only way I can do that is by kind of going to places in my life that produced a strong reaction in me and then just writing about them in honest language that the purpose is simply to codify and deliver that experience to your brain. Success. Yeah. So yeah. that I can, that. and if I can do that, like your response is your own. Like if it's negative or positive or somewhere in between. Like I'm not necessarily concerned with that as long as there's a reaction. reaction. Right. And like, I'm not trying to make you angry. I'm not trying to make you happy either. I'm just going, this is what happened to me. And I do use a little bit of fiction. I have an alias or alias. uh, I guess you could say alias, alter ego, whatever, Johan Felmanstein. Like, and I do that for a number of reasons. Some of my editors have gotten angry at me. They're like, your work is very autobiographical, but you use this weird perversion of your name. And I said, the reason I do that is because I'm writing about my past. And I wasn't necessarily that same person I was in that moment. So if I can put on my space suit, which is that name and go back to that time, it's a little easier for me to slip into that time Mm -hmm. and be that person with a different name other than be the Hans who I am now, who's kind of the updated whatever version. version. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's funny too, because I'm kind of leaning in that direction, right? It's like, uh, am I thinking about- It's just my tool. Some people don't agree with it and they're like, no, no. But I think you bring up a good point in terms of injecting truth into something. When somebody writes a story, you can tell kind of a lack of believability or truth in it. If they are not speaking from some kind of perspective that they've been through, if they aren't speaking to a truth about themselves, you can feel that kind of false. It's contrived a lot of rejection. Yeah, absolutely. But when someone writes with like the kind of conviction that you did, like you believe you're like, yeah, I know this person went through that. And that comes across in the story. I don't think a lot of people understand that, especially like for me with screenwriters when they write something like, uh, this one kid I know he, he's white and he wrote about black inner city youth. I was like, this comes across (laughs) as terrible. Like, I don't think you understand the perspective. He's like, no, 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 I have friends like this. I was like, that's, (laughs) that's the, you basically just said, no, 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 I'm not racist. I have black friends. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That is exactly how it came across. Oof. Um, so there's, <laughs> big def- oof. yeah, big <laughs> oof. But it definitely, you know, I think when you speak from a perspective that you've lived and you've understood, that is conveyed so much better in a story. I think that's why yours hits harder and it just resonates because I believe every second of it. So, mm-hmm. so do you guys think it's hard? Like sometimes art is escapism and sometimes it's challenging and making you think. Which one do you think is harder? You know, and this I was going to make this point a little earlier and I think for my own right, you guys all seen my work at this point. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the for last sure. film I just did, which was this thing of ours, right? And I think I kind of took your approach of like, I wasn't trying to make it so like people can connect to it and all this type of stuff. I was just writing a truth about my own insecurity and just like putting it out there for people to- It's a safe uh, way for people to view what's inside What's your, inside, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you know I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little, little familiar there. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> and, it's a, and then so what I started thinking about is like, what are, what are stories that really get me excited to sit down and write? Because I'm not a writer, <laughs> right? Like people tell me like, you're a writer, you're a writer. And yes, I am to a point, but like the act of doing it is very difficult for me. And I think it's difficult for everybody, right? But I don't look at myself as a writer. I look at myself as like, 
I guess just as a storyteller in general, and I, yeah. I have an idea and I'm like, I just want to sit down and write an experience that I've had and find the best way to dramatize it and make it entertaining so that people can absorb that, whatever that thing is. Well, it's you know like what I, mean? I was saying before about like, I wouldn't necessarily have become any of these particular types of creatives mm. if I didn't have a need to convey something. Right. So like I wouldn't have become a creative writer if I didn't have a need to have a story told. Right, right. Right. So like, I mean, I'm, a, I'm more of a big picture person. I can kind of zoom out from everything and see all the working pieces. That's why I'm world building on my creative works. And I can see all the moving pieces in every string that pulls every little lever that every little gear that's turning. But the only reason I'm doing everything else that produces it is in order to convey what I see. Yeah. yeah. So, I think a lot of things that drive individual things that I do is this needs to exist and I haven't seen it in this way yet. Everything's a remix. Yeah, so I can't say totally, oh, I'm totally original. It's like everything is a bunch of garbage goes in and then I picture something that is a remix way of things I've seen. Yeah, yeah. And then mm-hmm. it's like, I need to see but this. That's just how art you is, right? You need to see it the way you see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I need my you need version to physicalize it. Yeah. it. yeah, I mean, that's just art in general, right? Like, think about all the things, Matt, that you watch, grew up with, absorbed, right? And then that's coming through one particular funnel, which is you, and then it gets spit out into a new type of way, right? It's always an amalgamation of influences. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I sat down the other day looking at, like, you know, things that I'm interested in and, like, my writing style or my visual style as a director, and I was like, oh, well. I wrote down, like, the, my top 10 favorite directors that I kind of lean towards and things that I like. And I was just like, oh, I, I'm an amalgamation of all these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It becomes this remix. And now whatever gets spit out is like, oh, it's a Gary Jones film. You know what I mean? So I completely see what you're talking about. No, I mean, it was like when Han said earlier, you know, when you brought up like Bukowski and he agreed with it, like there's always, especially now, since it's been around for so long in terms of sharing ideas and creativity and things like that, we're always going to be affected by someone prior. Yeah. There's sure. always going to be some oh, yeah. capacity of that. I mean, yeah, Tarantino even said it, like there's a quote he had and he's like, I lift from everything I've ever seen. Yeah. There's lifts. also a really great quote too. Like it says, uh, the mark of a great artist is hiding your references. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, he, but Tarantino showed like, um, in Inglorious Bastards when Christoph Waltz character like walks from the door and sees Shoshana running and it's like, it's solid black inside. You can see everything. That is a shot from another film. I couldn't tell you what it was, even though they had it up, but he's done that multiple times Mm -hmm. and he's not ashamed of it. He's like, no, I'm lifting it and I'm putting my, yeah, it's an homage and I'm putting my own perspective on it. But you know what's interesting about now though, I feel like, you know, we live in a culture that's this cancel culture, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, you're just stealing this from that thing. You know what I mean? Or like, oh, somebody already did it. You know, the old saying like Simpsons did it. You know what I mean? Or whatever. (laughs) South Park, you beautiful bastard. But you get what I'm saying though? Like it's, I I feel in some ways you're going against those people that are just like, oh, Oh, yeah, no, that happens. Like most artists, you ask them, they can give you a list of of influences and some they may want to name, some may may not want to name, but um, so every once in a while you get, uh, like a musician and they say, Oh, who are your influences? And they'll say, Oh, nobody. I don't really listen to music. That's and you're just like, Ugh, yeah, you're that's fucking bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. 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 Uh, How would you even know what How music is if you didn't you? listen to yeah. music? Yeah. Right. Right. That's like saying you're a fucking math expert and you never took a fucking math class. Kill yourself. That <laughs> <laughs> was a yeah. bit aggressive, but I'm not going to apologize but for don't, it. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, exactly. You're it's, bad and you should feel bad. Not you, whoever that person is right? you're talking yeah. about. What's funny though, is when someone only lists the most obscure people they could think of when you know they have some mainstream influences as well, oh, which is fine yeah, yeah. It, you know you're, you're spreading but you, it, uh, the good thing is you're spreading in the name of obscure people right who yeah. may yeah, not have fair. that that you know 
Yeah, but only exposure. in the effort, though, right? God only, damn it. Only you let Hans speak. He's so, literally so put sorry. his mouth to the mic like three times. We've all You got to jump in, Hansy Ponzi. Oh, sorry. I'm just trying to let every you know, I don't want to. He's a kind man. Obnoxious. I can see that. Like, yeah. Oh, we're talking. all obnoxious as fuck. I will yeah. be saying you're obnoxious. I'm just saying like, 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 I don't want to stand apart here. shins under the table. That's right. But um, if an artist is afraid to name their influences, I think it's probably because there's someone that they are almost, their work is almost unidentifiable from. Like it's not indistinguishable unique, indistinguishable between. from. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's indistinguishable from, and they don't want that person necessarily being named because they haven't found really who they, yeah. like for the longest time. Too much plagiarism. I was exactly, yeah, I was afraid to tell people, oh, I really like Bukowski because I was still trying to find my way through his work. He was a huge influence yeah. on me. But I think I've done that, like now that I've published some work and I've, you know, gone like, okay, you're amazing, but like, I want to take this over here and move away from just the hard drinking, hard partying, hard fucking lifestyle, which is cool. Right. Gave me a lot, but like, I want to move in this direction. That's the work though, man. I and think that's, that's, hard. that's, that's the, the fucking work. <laughs> but here's the thing. If you have a tombstone that says don't try, then I will call you. A yeah, I'm not going to have a tombstone that says don't try. <laughs> I still can't believe yeah, he has that as on yeah. his fucking, that's what it says, Good right? It says don't try. Don't try. Good for what him. the fuck? Yeah. All right. Lightning round, gentlemen, what would be on your tombstone? Matt, go. Um, I'm better than you. <laughs> oh, David? I just want a hand sticking out of the ground that's cast off my own hand and the date and maybe the name written on the wrist. Nice. I just want to scare people at night. Wow. Just it's all there like, oh, yeah. what the hell is that? But you should put it on like a mechanism so that it has like it a motion sensor. Out. If anybody walks by, it just goes <laughs> like pop. That would be cool. I would totally sign up for that. Yeah, right? What about you, Sean? Underestimate me, I dare you. Oh, very nice. Hans? This is going to sound really lame, but- even better. I have a, I have a, there's a poem that I wrote <laughs> from that collection that is, when I wrote it, I was like, this is what I want on my tombstone. It's called Breakfast of Heads. And it's, I don't know if you remember that poem, but that, Tasty. that one, that one was probably, I don't know it offhand, but mm. I mean, I guess I could read it from your phone if you want, but it's like uh -huh. a, a half a page. Oh, but. <laughs> Yeah, let's maybe do it. maybe we can end with that. I don't know if you want to hear Ooh, it. I like that yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this is good. Use this that is in good. closing. Okay. Definitely yeah. the tombstone of this episode. The tombstone Fuck of the it. tombstone. My okay. tombstone would no say. No one cares. <laughs> it would say that. How I did care. you? How did <laughs> you know charge, that? That's exactly you're what you're in charge of making. <laughs> no one cares. Oh my god. <laughs> I thought it would say something like "Welcome to Tool Time." Oh my god. You're because because I look like Al Borland. You, you for those of you who can't see Gary. <laughs> oh my god. Like, I've never noticed could, that he could be the new Al Borland. Oh my god. Uh, if there was a new, tool, was a new time. tool Time, I think they're coming Absolutely. out with a new one. They're coming uh, out with a new one. Did you did you audition? Yes. I hate you guys. Excellent. And I love you guys very much. All right, All right, what, would guys, what would it say? Uh, what would your tombstone say? Uh, you said it. Really? That's, that's what you it. would say? That's what I would say. Bullshit. Uh, you're lying. You're no absolutely way. lying. You're trying to play cake. No, Don't fuck with us. No, no, no. Now you're being all shy. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck is this? Well, I mean, we're all being honest. For that. It would honestly say, here lies Gary Allen Jones. Fuck. Nice. <laughs> oh, fuck. Cool. I made yeah. it. Damn it. What did it, it say? Pineapple? No. Like you called the safe word on life? Yeah, yeah, right. Actually, that, that would be that would be my second option on my tombstone was pineapple. I made it. Oh, I, I made, made it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. multiple things. Is it like, I made it? Sort of. Question mark? <laughs> sort of. Yeah, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> hold my beer. Yeah. Nice. That would be my autobiography. Yeah, hold, hold my, my beer. beer. Hold my beer. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Well, gentlemen, thank you guys. This has been another great episode. 
we're on iTunes now. You can find us on iTunes. Fucking we can find us on YouTube. Uh, just Spotify. search. Uh, Spotify. Yeah, Spotify. We're on there now. Everywhere so. great podcasts are presented. I, I think that's what most podcasts say, right? Something oh, like that. Oh, where you listen to great podcasts. We're just basically your favorite STD. We're infecting everything. Yeah, pretty, <laughs> soon, pretty soon we'll be on other platforms, maybe. Yeah. So, um, you know, go ahead, like, subscribe, leave us a comment, give us a thumbs down, give us a thumbs up, do yeah. whatever you guys want to do. We'll probably have a Facebook and a Twitter at some point. At some point, but we're just having a good time guys uh hans thank you very much for being on the show where can we actually find your book so my books are all on amazon but i mean if you want to just go to my website hans joseph fellman f-e-l-l-m-a-n-n.com uh you can find my three books on there travel photos some other cool stuff so yeah that's my plug yeah well there you go guys and this is the show enjoy your rest of the week and we're out this poem is called breakfast of heads and it's definitely what I would want on my tombstone if you listen to any of them you're done if you take one kind word or one evil word and sew it into your heart you might as well cut the fucker out and toss it in the trash never ever ever listen to them the skulls of defeat the cackling hands of waste Keep your compass close and your arrogance dear. Sever the poison finger of opinion if it ever comes near. If you do, if you willingly brave the jagged staircase to hell, there will be a breakfast of heads waiting for you. Your first try. I'll see you next time.